Hey, welcome to Alex Listens. My name's Alex, and this is the place where I talk about things like philosophy and politics and, you know, whatever, really. Um, so you might be listening to this, which is great. Uh, I hope it sounds nice in your ears. Or you might be watching this, and I hope it's nice in your eyes. So yeah, you can watch this. It's on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, um, I don't need to tell you that, evidently. Um, but yeah, I if you're listening, and if you haven't watched the podcast or watched me talk, maybe, I don't know, go check it out. Maybe it'll be, you know, exciting. I'm not sure. Um but briefly, before I begin talking, if you're enjoying the podcast or these videos, um, you can do a number of things. You can support me on Patreon. And I know just about every creative person ever has a Patreon, but I guess it's up to you to decide which ones are meaningful for you, because presumably there's a lot of bullshit out there. Um, so if this is meaningful for you, you know, $2 a month, whatever, I'll put a link either on the podcast bio or on the YouTube bio. Or you can subscribe on whatever podcast platform. That's another way of supporting. Subscribe on YouTube or on your podcast platform. Um, Or leave a review on iTunes or subscribe on YouTube. Okay, so previously... I spoke about an essay by a philosopher called Peter Singer. That's not what the essay is called. That's what the philosopher is called. Um, The essay was called Famine, Affluence and Morality. And the reason why I'm doing another episode on the ethics of charity is because I realized that... (laughs) The rap or, you know, the my analysis was pretty bullshit in the last one. And I've since had to write an essay on that essay. And so I studied it in a lot more detail and I feel a lot more comfortable um, talking about it and realized that what I actually said was like, you know, a fraction of was only fractionally conveyed the importance of the essay. Um, so that's what I'm going to talk about today. As usual, I have my trusty notebook with some, um, pretty sketchy things to guide me, but essentially I'm going to talk about five things. Well, four, (laughs) four things. The first thing I'm going to talk about is, okay, wait, I'm going to give you, first of all, I'm going to give you an overview of what the purpose of this episode is so you might be thinking alex man what the fuck you've already spoken about charity i don't care about charity maybe that's what you're thinking and maybe maybe you do care about charity actually but you've just heard me talk about it enough well you see i don't think i gave you a compelling enough reason to consider donating to charity plural or singular whatever um so that's what i'm going to do today I'm going to explore the philosophical arguments, both an argument in terms of morality and an argument in terms of logic as to why you should give to charity if you can. So that's the overarching idea of what this episode is going to discuss. 
there are going to be four things, as I said. Well, five, four, three, arbitrary. Um, the first one... Sorry, my throat keeps playing up. <clears throat> the first one is an assumption that suffering is bad. Um, I guess I, su- I should say that many people who talk about the philosophy of giving, the ethics of giving, um, especially the utilitarians, um, you won't really be able to have a discussion with many of them if you don't, if you're not a utilitarian. It's going to be very hard because the utilitarian, for those of you who don't know what utilitarian is, utilitarianism is, utilitarianism is the doctrine that what is best what makes one's life go best, what is best for everyone is to maximize well-being or maximize experience of ha- experiences of happiness or pleasure or satisfaction or gratification or validation or whatever. Um, and that is contrasted with deontology, which philosophers like Kant are famous for. And deontologists are kind of rule-based so they will say you know no it's not about what makes people happy it's about giving people the freedom to navigate their life in whichever way they like irrespective of whether or not that actually makes them happy that's the most important thing um okay so i when i talk about charity when i think about charity I think about it through the lens of utilitarianism because that is the lens that makes the most sense to me. When we give to charity, what we are doing is trying to alleviate suffering. And actually, maybe I take back, maybe I take back the statement that when I think about charity, um, when I, when I think about charity, I think about it through the lens of utilitarianism because, you know, maybe maybe there is an element of, I guess it's not just about happiness and well-being. It's also about equality and it's about, um, you know, making the most of the system that we have at the moment, which is capitalism, money-oriented society, um, hierarchies, racism, prejudice, discrimination, Um, Many things making it difficult to have a reasonable connection with your potential to be. Um, Unless, you know, you're one of the lucky ones. As I consider myself to be. As someone who was raised in inner city Melbourne in a tree-lined, on a tree-lined street, um, and who went to school and who is now at university and has studied at three different, three, four different universities. Um, I haven't, I haven't finished anything though. <laughs> so, you know, make of that what you will take from that what you will. Um, okay. So the, I said, the first thing I was going to talk about was that suffering is in itself something that is bad. If you don't, Accept that. So if you, if you're, okay, think about this right now. If I was to tell you that, okay, I'll I'll just ask you a question. Do you think preventable suffering is bad? What do you think? 
I hope you say yes. I hope you say yes, preventable suffering is bad. I don't even know how you can say that preventable suffering isn't bad. You could come up with some really obscure esoteric argument about how suffering in itself isn't bad. Maybe some kind of myth of Sisyphus. I actually think I have that book. That just shows what a depressed sod I am. Um, uh, You know, the myth of Sisyphus is that some dude rolls a boulder up a hill and then the boulder rolls back down to the hill. And <laughs> I mean, I've forgotten the kind of, you know, the backstory of Sisyphus, but like, you know, destined Sisyphus was destined to a life of rolling the boulder, rolling a boulder up to the top of it, of a hill only for it to roll back down again. And then having to do that over and over again. Um, why did I bring that up? Suffering. So maybe you could argue that the task of rolling the boulder up the hill only for it to roll back down again, which, you know, for any reasonable person, yes, the reasonable person should believe that a task like that is suffering. Um, Maybe you could argue that, you know, there's some kind of character building. But, you know, in the scheme of things, when you run some, if you can, you know, this is another weird path to go down, but... Uh, presumably there are there are some things that are so bad that even the positive consequences of it you know even yeah some things are so bad that you shouldn't even think about or you shouldn't really take the positive um, outcomes to be you know to justify that kind of suffering So I don't think Sisyphus rolling the boulder back up the hill only for it to fall back down again as a means of character building is a very good way to build your character. You know, I think that you should instead, um, I don't know, like make some friends or something. Um, Yeah. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is that suffering is bad. Sorry, I'm still kind of, geez, I don't know how long this is going to be, but hopefully not too long. Um, First thing, suffering is bad. Second thing is a premise that I'm going to put forth that I think you should accept. It's not my premise. It's Peter Singer's premise. Um, The third thing I'm going to talk about is this example of this thought experiment. And the fourth thing I'm going to talk about um, are some arguments against charity. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. How does that sound? I guess you don't have any input because I'm the one who makes (laughs) the calls here. Um, But yeah, I enjoy it. Okay, so I guess I've already kind of spoken about the first thing. So, you know, I gave the example of Sisyphus. So presumably that that's an example of suffering, rolling a boulder up a hill only for it to fall back down again. But really, that isn't why you give to charity. You don't give to charity to relieve Sisyphus of his burden of having to roll the boulder up for eternity. Um, you give to charity because there are kinds of preventable suffering in the world. Um, malaria. Uh, um, certain eye surgeries. Um, there are certain parasites that can be relieved with medication. Um, you know, some people um, are famine stricken 
Um, you can provide food. You can buy food packages. Um, you can you can install water wells. Um, you can build schools. There are all sorts of things that charities do. Um, and there is, as far as I'm concerned, there is no argument that there is no argument that I am convinced by, which shows that any of these things aren't fundamentally good things. Education is a fundamentally good thing. Food, water, shelter, access to, you know, to medical needs and hygiene things, sanitizer, band-aids, um, disinfectant, um, whatever, antibiotics. Um, these aren't, these shouldn't be luxuries. These should be the fundamental underpinnings of the human experience. And, you know, you only need to think about the state of America, for example, where, and even more. Okay. So I'll finish that. So America education is outrageously expensive and so is healthcare. Um, presumably so is food and water. (laughs) Um, but food and water is probably more expensive in Australia, where I live. Although in London, you have no idea. Um, you nearly had to pay to breathe the air. It, that city was so expensive. Um, but Australia recently has hiked the cost of humanities degrees by 113%. Um, you know, these fundamental needs, education which I believe is, has been the most empowering and, uh, central part of my entire life. Um, you know, outside of family and friends, um, education has often been the thing which has actually united me with family and friends. Um, a lot of my friends I've met through my education, um, and the extracurricular activities that revolve around that. But yeah, I think you'd be pretty hard pressed to argue against. Um, yeah. So charities are providing a fundamental good by making sure that people have food, water, shelter, safety, whatever. Um, charities have different functions. Different charities have different functions. So that's the first thing. So if you reject that suffering is bad, you should probably stop this episode right now and write me an email. Um, yeah, you should, you should write me an email and tell me why you think that suffering isn't bad. I'll give you, I'll give you a prize (laughs) if you write me a compelling argument. Um, and I'll share it on my social media, even though, you know, uh, my audiences are enormous and everyone in the world's going to see it. Um, okay. So premise one, oh, the first thing I assume that preventable suffering is bad and probably so do you. I don't know why I spent so much time on that because that's the easiest part. It's just a very simple assumption. Okay. Then we move on to these two different ways of outlining the moral outlining the relationship between morality and duty. 
So essentially, the question of charity and the question of whether we should give to charity is a question of morality and duty. Um, so I guess the question that to, to turn it into a question, does morality require of us the act of giving to charity if it's within our means? I guess that's the question. In response to that question, um, Peter Singer proposes two different principles of varying strength. So what I mean by that is um, uh, the, you know, one principle requires more of us and it's more demanding than the other principle. So the less demanding principle I'm going to call the moderate version. Now, the moderate version of the principle is that if, okay, if I can prevent suffering, no, I should, yeah, if I can prevent suffering by giving to charity, then I should do that unless it requires a significant moral sacrifice. So let's, let's kind of unpack the wording there. So I guess this is where the benefit of coming onto YouTube of watching on YouTube is helpful. Cause I'll actually put the premises on the screen. Um, and it will be helpful to see that. Um, so I'll just repeat it. You should give to charity unless it requires significant moral sacrifice. And remember that I'm you, that we are to interpret this in the context of that assumption that preventable suffering is bad because we believe that preventable suffering is bad. Um, if you don't, email me. I've already told you. Contact at alex.co, whatever. There you go. Um, so that's that's the first version of the principle. So let's let's unpack it. What does it mean? Maybe I'll play some music. Do, 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 do. Um, so there are a few words that are important. Should is one of them. We should give. So it's not must. It's just should. What does should mean? Well, I don't know. Oxford Dictionary says that should means that you ought to do something because whatever reason. And the reason is that we're preventing suffering. Um, I actually don't know what the Oxford Dictionary says. It definitely doesn't say that, but um, go and look it up. Um, so should the demand isn't super strict. It's just kind of, you know, it's a push. We're being pushed to do this. It's not, it's not, we're not being forced. It's not a requirement. It's not essential. Um, and then there is this question of significant moral sacrifice. So we should give to charity unless it demands significant moral sacrifice on our part. So how do we define significant moral sacrifice? So this is where the fourth thing that I was going to talk about, which is a thought experiment. This is where the thought experiment is um, extremely relevant. Here's the thought experiment. You're walking through a park. It's a nice park. There are trees. There are birds in the trees. You're happy. You're smiling. Um, you're not getting divorced. 
Um, you've just won. No, you haven't won the lottery. Um, your band has just released a new album. All of these things, all of these good things are happening. Um, and then as you're walking through the park, you see this big sprawling lake and you think, wow, what a beautiful world. My relationship is my relationship to the world has healed. I have restored my essence. But all of a sudden, you notice a child drowning in the lake. What do you do? Do you save the child? Obviously, you can. Let's assume that you can swim, whatever. You can save the child. You're not going to die saving the child. But you realize that the main reason why you were so happy was because you just bought these new shoes and they were expensive shoes. They cost $500 Australian, $400 US, 273 pounds. And and you think to yourself, shit, there's a drowning child and there are these new shoes. That is the context within which we are to ask the question, what does moral significance mean? So in the, um, in the context of, in the context of a, a potential life being lost. Shoes aren't morally significant. Um, so we should save the drowning child at the expense of our shoes because our shoes are going to get wrecked because we're going into the lake. They're going to get muddied, whatever. Um, but we've saved a life. So a number of intuitions follow from this. The first intuition is that we ought to do things like that. Um, Obviously, shoes aren't morally significant. I've kind of already said that. The second intuition is that really proximity doesn't matter. So you might say that the reason why you don't give to charity is because the people who are suffering are so far away. That's the worst argument ever. That's actually the worst argument ever. And the reason why it's the worst argument ever is because They're not, in terms of kilometers, maybe they are, but you have a phone. You know that the suffering is real. You know that these people are struggling. You know that famine is real, that poverty is real, um, that malaria is something that kills many people. You know this. But even even more convincingly than that, you, when you give to a charity... The a lot of the time, especially in the charities that Peter Singer recommends, a lot of the time there are experts who are deciding where this money goes. People who have researched the most effective treatments for X, Y and Z. People who have researched the most effective malaria nets for preventing the biting of mosquitoes during particular times when they're most likely to bite. So you're paying for experts with such refined knowledge to prevent suffering. 
and they might be able to, they probably will prevent suffering in a, they will prevent suffering more effectively on the other side of the world with your money than you can to the drowning child. I mean, how many of you know how to save, would know how to perform CPR on a drowning child or on, you know, someone who, I don't know, has gone into cardiac arrest or something like imagine trying to save a stranger. How well could you do that? Um, So really, the intuition should be that proximity really has been totally undone by a technology because we can have we can access people's lives very far away. And B, it's been undone by experts because experts can extremely effectively and extremely efficiently alleviate suffering better than we can, even with our own hands. Um, so there, that's the first thing. That's the moderate principle. So now we know what significant moral sacrifice means, and we know that proximity doesn't matter. Then Peter Singer in the essay, so you should read the essay, really. It's quite, oh, actually, I don't know. Don't read it. I've pretty much told you everything you need to know. Um, then he says, okay, but that's, there's another principle, which is, we must give to charity unless it brings, unless it requires us to forego something of comparable moral significance. So, or, or we should give to charity unless we are required to reduce ourselves to comparable circumstances. I guess that's the demand. Um, And that's a pretty strong demand. And I guess that's the basis for the movement called effective altruism, which is people give the majority of their income because they, they are being motivated by the understand or they are they are adhering to the principle that they have to give to charity until they are you know causing a harm to themselves until they reach the point of marginal returns so obviously when you're donating to charity there will be a point where you reach marginal returns where you have where you get to the point where if you keep giving you will inflict more suffering in your own life than you will prevent in the lives of others. Um, So, you know, by no means is there a moral requirement for you to reduce the circumstances of yourself and those people around you to the same circumstances of those as people, those of people who are in extremely unfortunate circumstances. That is not the demand here. The demand is that you let go of all of the excessive things. You don't need the new iPhone every year. You don't need 15 pairs of shoes. You don't need, you know, you don't need, what do people buy? You don't need a new car when you bought one last month. Um, you don't need to just keep, like every year, you don't need to renew all of the things you have. Um so long as the function of the things that you have 
is still, so long as the things you have are still functional, why replace them? Um, okay, so this is where, so I've kind of finished the outlining of why we should give to charity. So we should give, we must, should or must, depending on which principle you adhere to. Peter Singer says that we must favor the second principle because that's the only one that's actually, so the second principle is we must give to charity unless it requires a comparable moral sacrifice. So unless, essentially, unless we reduce ourselves to the point of marginal returns, or unless we cross that boundary, um, where we are suffering, we are experiencing more suffering than we are preventing. Although imagine that, imagine how much <clears throat> so if you're a full-time tenured professor at a university or something in Australia, you get paid a lot. I'm not sure about um, other countries. Um, you could give away so much over a hundred thousand dollars a year and still live comfortably. I imagine. Um, but you know, there comes a point where um, if you keep giving, you're going to do yourself harm. Maybe you can't afford equipment for teaching and then you lose your job. Maybe you can't afford new shoes and then the shoes that you're wearing break and you know you keep cutting your feet on the walk to class and you get infections and you're hospitalized again and again and again. Um, so, you know, that's pretty extreme. Um, okay, so now some objections to the giving to charity. Um, okay, so one objection is to the first... No, one objection is to both principles. So to the moderate version, the should, we should, and the strong version that we must. And the objection is that what if I think that buying things is morally significant? So what if, so I normally only write with this, there's a particular type of pen that I'm holding in my hand. Um, and I don't know, I'm, I'm pretty weird so like in some books i only write with certain pens like that's pretty weird whatever but like you know and like this pen is like kind of expensive like i think they're like five dollars each and otherwise you can buy like 50 pens for five dollars but like why do i buy this thing you know and i actually do i probably there is some significance that i attach to this pen i i, I won't say it's moral significance but this pen this like style of pen is significant for me and so you can kind of see how one could mount an argument in support of so singer says peter singer says with both his principles you don't give to charity unless it requires you to sacrifice something of moral significance or to endure something of comparable moral significance what if I say, I don't even want to give up buying pens because things I attribute moral significance, even to pens and then everything else. Like I attribute moral significance to my phone, to this microphone, to the books behind me, to my laptop. All of these things are morally significant. So I can't give to charity because I have to have money in order to buy these things. And that's an argument that I imagine many people make. And that's a justification for not giving to charity that many people make. That, oh shit, like 
I've got to buy the latest computer. I've got to have the latest specs. These things are morally significant. Um, and I guess my response to that is what, what, um, you have to be very careful. So if someone came to me and they were like, Alex, dude, I listened to your podcast, but like, I don't know, like I want to save to buy this new laptop. I would say, okay, fair enough. You want to buy a new laptop. Do you have a functioning laptop at the moment that does everything you need it to do? If the answer is yes, then I would say you don't, you shouldn't. You know, you're kind of moving into this strange, pretty damn murky moral territory if you buy a new laptop when the needs, when your needs are already met by the thing that you have. So this is where philosophers who philosophize about charity will begin to say that you're acting immorally. When you consume in that way, in that excessive way, when there is actually no need that is being met by your consumption, no essential need, you are acting immorally. Um, so that's something to think about. If you are the kind of person who always wants to save money and has a huge surplus of money in their bank account for whatever reason, but if the reason is to buy new shit, ask yourself, why, like, what? It's kind of an existential question. Um, is this actually contributing to my being at all? So my current laptop, I bought just under a year ago and the previous laptop I had, I had had since 2000 and late 2014. So I had it for five years, five and a half years, um, something like that. Um, and I, for a long time, pretty much, you know, and I guess the thing with neoliberalism is that every few months, a new product is released. That's better than the one you've bought. And that's pretty crushing. Like you buy this thing, at least for me, like I get a bit frustrated. I'm like, damn, like I just bought this thing and now there's a better one with a better camera, better processor, whatever. Um, and I'm kind of interested in tech as well, which makes it worse because I have like a basic understanding of what. It actually means to have, you know, better specs on your phone and whatever. Um, but it got to the point with my old laptop that I couldn't actually do a lot of the things I wanted to do with the podcast. For example, I wanted to make videos on YouTube and I couldn't edit them. The computer couldn't handle it. Um, and so I felt as though. Okay, so even even that, even feeling as though there is something that is getting in the way of what you want to do when you feel like that your, your purchases are so old or so outdated, they're not fulfilling the function that you require of them. Even then, like I still wish I could have adjusted my life around that and given the money to charity instead, because laptops are fucking expensive. Um, so that's, that's the kind of thinking in response as a response, I would, you know, it's kind of a psychological undertaking. You need to ask yourself, why is it even okay for me to attribute moral significance to things that I don't need? And then you might ask, what do I need? Um, 
And there are a number of things that you need. Water, food, shelter, education, friendship, safety, um, freedom. But, you know, many of the people listening to this podcast, I imagine, have all of those things secured. Um, And then they have extra money. But then there are so many people who who charities help who don't have those basic things secured. And therefore, by directing your money to purchases that you don't need, are you acting immorally? Potentially. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to tell you whether you are or not because I want you to make that decision yourself. I have a very strong opinion about whether or not that kind of behavior is immoral, and you know, perhaps I've very clearly led on to which side I'm taking. But I don't want to breathe down your neck because I don't think that is actually, especially on on a topic like charity, I'm not sure that I've seen that to be a very effective uh, way of dealing with it um, or of getting people to give. Um, another objection that people make especially you know conservative economists and conservative politicians is that um when you give to charity you're just reinforcing capitalism because people presumably many of the people who you're giving money to are suffering at the hands of capitalism the system has reduced them to poverty they have been dispossessed of their land um so that a mine can be built Um, they are working in factories so rich people can buy shoes. Um, and yes, that is, that is a compelling argument. Um, but that ignores a fundamental feature of the philosophy of charity of philosophers like Peter Singer, which is a total rejection of consumer culture. Um, And if you go back, if you scroll back through my podcasts, you will see that at one point I actually interviewed Peter, Peter Singer himself. And Peter Singer says again and again that capitalism is the best system we have at the moment. Um, That might be true. Maybe you have your own thoughts on that. But it seems like he and I, I, I want to advocate for a relationship to capitalism while it is the system that we have. I want to advocate for a relationship to it with very conscious consumption because I, I don't expect a change. I don't expect capitalism to be dismantled in 15 minutes. It's going to take a very long time. And I think one of the most powerful things that we can do is stop buying unnecessary shit and give money to those who need it because there is a moral obligation to do so, as I hope I have been able to argue in this podcast and video. So that's the end. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, comment something on YouTube, write me an email, follow me on Instagram. um, And hey, support me on Patreon if you like it and you want to see more of this stuff. So thanks. Bye. Enjoy your life. Uh, yeah. 
Now it's been a fifth of my rant on a Friday Just to see a man that I don't even like Placing tracks with the itty bitty bass And I couldn't even dance to that shit What a waste Out of place in this club Down on my face man Down on my luck And I might as well dip Probably bounce on the bus Get home rest on And decide what I want Wake up and I write to my job But I'm blessed Mama always said it like the best Forget about the cheddar You'll be living like a mess If you really wanna get it It will get into your head But my pocket's feeling light And I gotta pay the rent So Drop a photo right as Jew Can't pay for food because all you buy is booze Damn cash rules, everything around me isn't true And I've got no money just to live under this roof Little proof, while I'm sitting hidden in my room Two days, not a break, so I wanna take a few Never knew that I'll be doing this after school Never knew that I'll be doing music at all I said, get up out of bed Yeah, go and get a job, man, I'm sick of paying rent Forget about your pad, you can live down in the sh-